Hi, I'm Jason, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by my favourite termite, Rob. <laughs> you sound sound like one there. That's scary. Welcome to Rewind and Review, the retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, mm-hmm. discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? Yes. Uh, this episode of Rewind and Review will look at a film that celebrated its 20th anniversary only a few weeks ago at the very end of 2019. Some may call it a parody, some may give it a cult classic status, and some may say it's the best Star Trek movie that's ever been made. By Grabathar's Hammer, by the Sons of Warven, you shall rewind with us to the year 1999, but basically 2000. We have to go back! Go back, Sam! What year is it? Are you telling me you built a time machine? Pre-2000, a true science fiction film was still a niche market. We're talking science fiction movies set in space, involving space travel, other planets, technologies of the future, um, exhibiting a relationship uh, with the principles of science, primarily obeying the laws or theories of science to an extent. Prior to 2000, when we got a science fiction movie, it was usually dark, gritty, sometimes violent or scary, with adult-orientated themes simply due to the attempts at making a movie that adhered to as much as it could to the real world, with a real science-based grounding. Pre-2000, the science fiction community, nerd culture, and science fiction fandom were still distinct subcultures, or outcasts. One movie celebrates all of this, and that movie is Galaxy Quest. It is Galaxy Quest. It is indeed. Uh, Directed by Dean Parasot and written by David Howard and Robert Gordon, Galaxy Quest is the science fiction action comedy film that found a unique way to satire science fiction movies Mm -hmm. and series, I guess, especially Star Trek and its fandom. (laughs) Be warned that if you haven't seen Galaxy Quest but you want to, go watch it first before listening to this episode. We will be talking spoilers. That's right. Now, the movie depicts the cast members of the cancelled 1960s space adventure television series, Galaxy Quest, uh, who are visited by actual aliens who believe the cast's heroic on-screen dramas are actually historical documents of real-life adventures, Um, and then they become involved in a very real intergalactic conflict. The cast had previously spent most of their days attending fan conventions and promotional appearances. Uh, Though the series' former lead star Jason Nesmith, uh, played by Tim Allen, thrives on this attention, the other cast members resent him and, uh, to varying degrees, the states of their own careers. Now, these actors must channel the characters they once played as they board a recreation of the Protector and do what they can uh, to help the Thermians, not Thermites, not not Thermites, sorry, um, in negotiations with the evil warlord Saris. Ooh. What a critter. What a critter. Yeah. Did you only watch this uh, the other day for the first time? I... (laughs) What's it at 4am yesterday? Yeah. Is that the, was that the first time? Nah, not at all. I have seen this before. I have seen it a total of two times. Two times now? I oh, know before. So three, okay. times, three, three times now. <laughs> We're three up to three. three. That's pretty three good. Three times now. Three times now. Good. First time I I think I saw it when I was drunk. Oh, yeah. Good. As in it was it was a background movie. Sure. Okay. Um, and then the second time I actually legitimately watched it. And it was I really enjoyed it. 
And then, but it, it's probably been about ten years. Yeah, yeah, deck. I reckon decade at least. I, I put it every now and then. Um, I bought the Blu-ray a couple years ago, but mm. I don't even think I watched it since buying that Blu-ray. But you know, that's that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first time I came across it. Um, it was VHS in a <laughs> in a video store. Remember those? It was just like. I think it was one of the new releases, maybe Back like the three-day. Yeah, you know, we used to go. <laughs> and I was like, oh, look, look, like a nice, friendly PG movie for me as a youngster <laughs> to sort of pick up. Tim Allen, I know that guy. You know, I didn't recognise Sigourney Weaver in the blonde wig or yeah. had no idea who Alan Rickman was. Like, they were on the, the front cover. But I picked it up and I was like, just something to watch, something fun. <laughs> I remember just enjoying it, but not really taking in all of the, you know, the subtext of, uh, you know, the, the Star Trek, parody-esque type thing that was going on all mm. the stuff to do with like fans and nerd culture it was just it was just a fun movie like oh these people that were on a TV show you know now it's all real and, and yeah. I'm just enjoying that yeah. but as I you know as I grew and aged and you know <laughs> multiple rewatches it's like I learned like wow this movie is there's depth to it there's so much yeah. smart clever writing and, and all that going for it and yeah it's mm. it's fantastic I have to admit it's this most recent viewing where I really kind of uncovered that you know that depth and the, the layers that are there and you know the, the mix between comedy and drama and it's and I definitely 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 did not understand the the satirical nature of it in regards to like the parody of, of like that fandom and that yeah. that com- comic con culture and stuff that didn't really exist and was really for the outliers. At the time, but it's also very different, mm. I guess. Like it's different now, if you were to watch it for the first time now, the landscape of like I guess that nerd culture and mm. and, and those fandoms for you know like science fiction and, and something on like, like a TV show, yeah, it's so different now than it was even you know twenty years ago or whatnot. Yeah, like it's it, it's oh, it such is. a different. Everything's changed, you know, like comic yeah. book movies, mm. science fiction. It's the genre genre films as a whole has expanded, and I guess yeah, it's it definitely it would be different if we mm. were watching it for the first time now, because we'd be like, why is everyone like ratting on the nerds? So yeah, it's like Comic Con's <laughs> wicked, man. What's, what's going on? Why is this convention so small? <laughs> what's going on? Um, I yeah yeah definitely have a new appreciation for it. Um, looking at it through today's lens, um, so its budget was forty five million dollars, um, and it made. Ninety point seven million dollars. That's not bad. It's okay. It's not. I mean, it's not. It's not great. Bear in mind, is it? Bear in mind, nineteen ninety nine, forty five million dollars on a budget. It was pretty modest. Um, and you think about you know the special effects and stuff that's that's in this uh, movie. Mm. You'd think they probably would have wanted a little bit more. But the studio, when they were making this, they weren't paying attention to this movie. They were focused on like Gladiator and stuff at the time. Oh, yeah. Like, they were, they had a... That was the thing. A lot more other things to, to focus on. I just feel like this movie may have been a little bit of a gamble, to be honest. And I feel, like, as, as in, yeah, at I mean, that time for the studio, because there were so many other popular genres, this was not it. This was there, certainly not it. Well, that's it. And I think when they, you know, sort of approached it, it was... Even the producers in the studio didn't really know what... Mm kind of movie it was the writers did well at least as they yeah. were going along they worked out what they were doing with it but I think even the studios were just thinking it was just going to be like goofball slapstick comedy yeah right um, you know how many uh, they were wrong yeah how many sort of jokes can we make about you know guys in space doing things a la Spaceball or something like that yeah, Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. well they were certainly wrong alright critics uh, it's critical rating 
Um, it received positive reviews from critics, uh, both as a parody of Star Trek and as a comedy film on, on its own. Um, Rotten Tomatoes currently gives it a 90% based on 116 reviews. Um, and uh, what is it? An average of 7.2 out of 10. Metacritic gives it 70 out of 100 based on 28 reviews. Basically, uh, as a summary, mm. gen- generally, the critics say Galaxy Quest remains light and bright as it races along and never mm. turns nasty or mean-spirited as it satires the cliches and cults of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, it's also been noted to be intelligent and humorous satire with an excellent cast. No previous Trekkie knowledge needed to enjoy this one. <laughs> I agree with all of that. If yeah. that's how the critics felt at the time, or do still Although, now. I would disagree slightly now and where he says never turns a nasty mean kind of mean spirited Alan Rickman's character is certainly depressed <laughs> he is a depressed <laughs> depressed man and they take the, the mickey out of that but that's fine it's fine but that's not it's nasty good, or mean spirited that's how he performs and you know that's how he is on the set and stuff you know like he is so upset his cast members you know like look back on him and describe him you know, like he, he would he acted as if he just didn't give a shit like he was mm. always over it, just yeah. always over it, super over it. But then, at the same time, he's just the friendliest, loveliest guy that yeah. they didn't have a bad thing to say about. So no, I think that's just that's how he, that's his humour and how that dry British sensibility is good. Um, <laughs> okay, so we agree with the critics. Then awesome awards. It won a few. Jason, go through some of them. Yeah, well, it was actually it was nominated for a whole bunch of others, but I didn't even write them down. But these are all the ones that it won. Um, Amsterdam Fantastic Film Festival, the Silver right. Scream Award. Uh, Brussels International Festival of, of Fantastic Film. What a mouthful. <laughs> Silver Raven for Best Screenplay. Wow. Uh, Brussels International Festival of Fantastic Film. I'm pretty sure they made all of these up. So that's the Pegasus Audience Award. <laughs> Um, the, we, Hochi, the Hochi Film Awards, yeah. Best Foreign Language Film, and you can do the last two. Best, like. best Foreign Language Film in the host. What country is that? Uh, Hochi. Hochi, probably maybe Japanese, Korean. Yeah, right. Hochi. Um, the Hugo Awards, Best Dramatic Presentation at one, and Saturn Awards, um, Best Actor Tim Allen. Um, I like the little tidbit there is that you put those in alphabetical order. Very good. Um, well, do you know what? No, that's how the internet presented them to me. So <laughs> thank the internet. Other than the Saturn Awards, I don't know. Oh, Hugo's I've heard of before. Yeah. Best Dramatic Presentation. Oh, God. They're, they're not the Oscars. But, uh, stretching that. No. <laughs> <laughs> and best Actor, Tim Allen. Gosh. <laughs> Who oh. were the candidates? <laughs> the 99, late, late, early. Well, it would be the 2000. It would be the 2000 Saturn Awards, but... Who are the candidates? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, there's a franchise. So, in 2008, IDW Publishing released a comic book sequel uh, to the movie entitled Galaxy Quest Global Warning. Not warming. Warning. Warning. Um, I have to admit, I don't know. Do you know who is IDW? Um, well, Should the, I know that? No. The, well, I mean, there are there are publishing companies well, like other than Marvel and DC right and not Dark Horse and okay, not, uh, right. what's the other one? Image. <laughs> There's more. I know all of those that you they do. Said. IDW do like. I think at the moment they do like. They could be doing Ghostbusters, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm not big on the comic book publishers, but you know, so you're all good. Um, but there was another one. Sorry to the rest of our <laughs> channel. For... <laughs> 2015. Hey, go listen to Sounds Like Comics if you want comic to book talk. <laughs> 2015, IDW launched um, an ongoing series set several years after the events of the film. Right. So there we got our sequels. Um, so there's talks of a sequel. Um, talks of a sequel, sorry, have been going on since the film's released. Um, they did gain traction in 2014 when Tim Allen mentioned that there was a script. 
He's never eventuated. I think he was lying. <laughs> but I have no evidence of this. No, I think they there was actually movement on it, um, but we'll get to a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah, later. Um, in April 2015, now this is a going to be a little bit of a, I guess, a summary of the series of events here. Yep. Paramount Television, along with the movie's director and writers, announced they were looking to develop a television series based on Galaxy Quest. Right. In August 2015, it was announced that Amazon Studios would be developing it. Right. In January 2016, after the unexpected death of Alan Rickman, no. the development of the series was put in question. Yeah. Um, in August 2017, plans were revived with the announcement that Paul Schreer... Uh, would be writing the series, addressing... Well, his pitch, I guess, was addressing the cultural shift in Star Trek that had occurred since 1999. Right. So, basically, the premise would be, like, having two casts. All right. Uh, much like the All original right. cast yeah. of Star Trek, the original series, and, and the young J.J. Abrams cast, cast from the... The J.J.-verse. From the 2009 Star Trek movie? Something like that, Yeah. yeah. Um, following the dismissal of Amy Powell as president of Paramount Television in July 2018, the Galaxy Quest series had been put in hold. Right. Um, Never Surrender, uh, a Galaxy Quest documentary, uh, was produced by fandom in uh, 2019 to celebrate the film's 20th anniversary. It features interviews with the movie's cast and crew, as well as ce um, celebrities including Will Wheaton, Brent Spiner, uh, Greg Berlanti, um, Paul Shear. And Damien, uh, Damon Lindorf, 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 I always get his name wrong, uh, who have spoken about their love for the film. Yeah. I mean, or, have, you, have you watched this? And no, I have not. Jason told me to, and I, I didn't I was, do it. I said to him, recommended viewing before we do the podcast, watch it, but that's fine. All good. You're a busy man. I appreciate your time here today. <laughs> you did watch it, and you said it was amazing. It's a good, you know, like, um, obviously, it was made in to coincide with the anniversary of, of the movie. Yeah. Uh, movie's release, but no, there's a lot of good stuff. Um, in there, the interviews and stuff is the main thing. They got all, as many as, uh, as I think they could. Everyone seemed happy to, to come back to have a chat about it. And a lot of the cast, I mean, they only have nice things to say about their time making the movie mm. and, and their love for the movie as well, which I think a lot of the time actors would move on and then, you know, you know, you see a documentary or behind-the-scenes thing about the movie and then it's like the you don't even get the star to come back because yeah. they just don't care anymore and they've moved on. But, you know, Tim Allen's sitting there, mm. the corny weeper. Um, everyone basically except Alan Rickman, unfortunately. R.I.P. For obvious reasons. For obvious <laughs> reasons. Um, after watching this movie again and being reminded that it is is a, it is worth people's time, um, <laughs> I might very well take up take up uh, the the worth the watching even after this. Yeah. Even if you don't need the knowledge anymore. Definitely. Cultural impact of this movie. So it, pro it proved quite popular with Star Trek fans, believe it or not, even though it was a parody of. Um, because it is in celebration of it as well. Exactly, it? exactly. Um, at, the, <laughs> at the 2013 Whoa. Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, Galaxy Request um, received enough support in a Star Trek film ranking to be included with the 12 Star Trek films uh, that had been released by that time. And it was actually ranked the seventh best Star Trek film, even though it's not a Star Trek I mean, film. all Great. credit... There are some pretty bad stuff. Yeah, yeah there is. There is. <laughs> and there actually are a couple I have seen as well. Star yeah. Trek oh, like the old ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Couldn't, yeah. Tell you, couldn't tell you the names of them. Yep, um. yep, yep. What else we got for uh, the cultural impact? Tim Allen, um, he states that he and William Shatner are now uh, friends because of this movie. Believe it or not. 
I mean, what's my resource on that fact? Um, Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> um, I, did, I do believe I read the same fact. So it must be true. We both read it at the same place. Yeah. Um, Galaxy Quest is said to have predicted the growth and influence of media fandom in the years after its release. Yeah. While fandoms like mm. that for Star Trek had existed at the time of the film, the size and scope presented by the fan conventions in the film had not been yeah. seen as much in 1999. Since then, major fan conventions such as the San Diego Comic-Con have become uh, significant events that draw mainstream attention. And we, we and that, address that. The change yeah. since 99, huge. Mm. You know what? That's still is a trope that gets thrown out there, though. Like, I think uh, Supernatural played with that one. Like, there's a Supernatural convention, mm. and it's all just absolute crazy people. Like well, that, that trope that, that conventions are just for, like, nerdy or out, outliers. But the truth of the matter is, like, this was ahead of the curve. It's now, this is very much, it's a yeah. mainstream thing. Well, you it's a, a totally mainstream thing. Comic-Con, as an example, like, you'll just have casual fans or, hmm. you know, like, you don't have to go all out and, like, cosplay and, you know, like, yeah. you know, get I mean, sick of everyone that you meet. You just go. You, we go to it locally here in Perth. We've in got Supernova. WA. We've got, um, is Oz Comic-Con still a thing here no, in Perth? That's no, that's good. Well, oh, we got Supernova, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, Supernova's awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, over in the States, you know, like, there's a lot more, I guess, um actual specific mm. conventions, you know, like whether it be a Star Trek convention or maybe a Galaxy Quest convention <laughs> or a Supernatural convention, whatever they've got going on. Um, I'm sure if there was probably like a lost convention at some point, I would have been there if I, I would know, love, lived in that country. Maybe not the niche ones, but I'd love to go to San Diego. Yeah, a once. big one like that. God. The experience. Something else. Amazing. All right, uh, what else we got? The film also predicted fandoms using uh, their numbers to influence production companies um, to revive cancelled works, such as The Expanse, Veronica Mars, Arrested Development, and Twin Peaks. Yeah, well, I mean, we see it in this. It's sort of like, obviously, Galaxy Quest was pretty damn... Oh, I mean, within this movie, it was pretty yeah. damn popular, so mm. they revived the, the show. Yeah. And that's how the movie ends, I guess. So, mm-hmm. we have a spoiler warning. Yeah, 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 so, <laughs> spoiler warning. I think you can just get through the, the legacy without... Oh, yeah. Boy, spoiler. Oh, we just can't help it. The film also captured some negative elements of modern fandom, such as leading actors continuously um, pestered by fans yeah. for intricate details of the works, fiction, and other elements of the potentially toxic culture of online fan groups. Uh, there's a there's an old SNL skit with William Shatner and mm. you know he's, he's at a convention and fans are sort of asking him questions and then he starts he just basically loses his shit and he screams at them and it's like <laughs> oh, it's just a television show and which uh, this happens I mean, in that it movie. happens in this I mean see I'll tell you what though I, I thought so when I was watching that in this movie I'm like why are you not hitting up the writers I was looking at J- Justin Long's character and I'm like You're I like, mean why? I know I know I know it's part of the movie but I'm like. <laughs> If I was so invested in that, I wouldn't be asking the actors. <laughs> I'd be acting, asking the actors about their performance, but I wouldn't be asking about the details. I'd be yeah. going straight to the writers. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, that is probably a little bit more like it's a playful sort of um, sort of joke humor there. But hmm. I mean, yeah, of course. You, you, how will these actors know? They're, they're yeah. just actors. We know that. Yeah. But I mean, take uh, take advice from The Simpsons, where they address the same thing. It's like if you see something that's a bit off in a television or a movie or something, a wizard did it. <laughs> a wizard Just did it. A wizard <laughs> did it. Very good. Um, moving on. Reaction uh, from Star Trek actors. There has been many. I mean, we just mentioned, um, what's his Mr. name? Mr. Shat. Mr. Shat. But let's jump forward to the next generation. Patrick Stewart. John Luke Picard. 
Um, right. Originally, he actually did not want to see it because he heard that it was making fun of Star Trek. And, you know, yeah. he's like, why would I want to watch that? But he states that he eventually did watch it. It was brilliant. Yep. Brilliant. I can't do a Picard accent. Um, both funny and also touching in that it paid <laughs> tribute to the dedication of these fans. Oh, yep. Tim Russ, um, who plays Tuvok on uh, Star Trek Voyager, he has flashbacks to Galaxy Quest every time he attends conventions. Um, he thought it was an absolute laugh a minute. Yeah. Uh, William Shatner, I guess, yeah, let's just do him. Um, James T. Kirk on the original series, of course, thought it was very funny, but get this, he says, he thought the audience was totally real, but found the actors totally unrecognisable. It's got to be hashtag sarcasm in there. I think he's been a bit sarcastic. Yeah. He knows what's up. Yeah, Will Wheaton. Everyone knows who Will Wheaton is. Um, played Wesley Crusher on uh, The Next Generation, is what that acronym is <laughs> right in front of me. Well, he's basically, the, I guess, the parallel here with, the, um, child. with the child actor, I yeah. guess, that we get in this um, movie. And he's also in uh, Big Bang all the time. Well, yeah. As yeah. Will Wheaton, as himself. As Will Wheaton. Um, so he loved it. It was. He said it was a brilliant satire of um, not only Star Trek, but of fandom in general. Very accurate. He goes, he wishes they would cast him as a freaky uh, fanboy um, who could scream at the kid actor about how awful it was that there was a kid on a spaceship, which is very true. That would have been really, like, that would have been a pretty funny little meta joke there. And yeah. That would have been cool. Nice one. Little cameo. Um, Casey Biggs, uh, Demar on Deep Space Nine, all she had to say was, it's not really like that. Yeah, cool. No, okay, no. have a bit of fun, Casey, you're Casey, right. Casey, live wanna... your life. <laughs> and George Takai, um, who played... Um, Hikaru Sulu thought it was a chillingly <laughs> realistic documentary. I think he was taking the mickey. That one. <laughs> George Takah. But anyway, so what, what we got there is you got some Star Trek um, cast members oh who my. just, yeah, just expressing their love yeah. in their but own I mean, little ways. But I mean, more so, you know, J.J. Abrams, are obviously we know, director of um, you know, the 2009 Star Trek movie. Um, he stated too. on the... Did I say Star Trek or Star Wars? You said Star Trek, but I just said Star Wars Are too. you trying to throw me off? Yeah. No. Oh, and so, yeah, but we're talking about the Trek today. No, I understand. We're I talking about I the Trek. I get you. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> but J.J. stated on the audio commentary for, for Star Trek... By the way, I think we've all gone on record as saying one of our favourite Trek films is Galaxy Quest. Yeah, right. There we go. There you go. And more so, just to poke more fun at uh, at Star Trek, <laughs> the prefix for the Protector's registration number, NTE-3120, ostensibly alludes to some sort of similar space federation, but in reality stands for not the Enterprise. Far out. That's brilliant. And that's from... That's from, like, the writers and director. They're on, on board and being like, that's why we use those letters. A true, not... a true parody. They, yeah, they did not hold back. Good on them. All right, let's let's go into the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's it's always go, good go to into actually it. talk about the movie. Bit of, um... Let's talk about a bit of the cast, but um, also a little bit about the director changes as well, because it yes. kind of directly affects yeah, how the cast sort of took shape. Harold Ramis, believe it or not, Interesting tidbit before you even say this. This fact that you're about to say, I already knew this before before we actually Ooh, watched the movie. Yeah, the look one at thing you I knew. Go. Yeah, cool. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I'm not going to rate it. Read it though. You can. <laughs> Harold Ramis. Uh, he departed as director due to casting difficulties. He mm-hmm. kind of wanted like Alec Baldwin for the lead role, who declined. Yeah. Uh, Steve Martin and Kevin Klein were also considered. Ramis did not agree with the casting of Tim Allen. 
Um, yeah. Alan said that the version of the film pitched to him by Ramus was more like Spaceballs, oh. which I guess, you know, I was saying that no one knew what the hell they were doing here, yeah. um, in which they wanted an actor known for action to be doing comedy rather than a comedian doing an action film, which yeah. is what we got with Tim Allen. Yeah. Comedian, suddenly in this action role. Do you think, do you think that Tim Allen was the correct casting? Based on that little bit of trivia, I would not then. change it, and it could be up for debate, but possibly Tim mm. Allen is this his best movie, his best live action movie, I should say. So yeah, uh, Toy Story, settle down. I mean, besides the Santa Claus, which I think I heard you weren't a big fan of, which really. shocks me. Not really. Shocks me. I like the elf. Shocks I like me. the elf in that more than I like bloody Tim Allen. What the ch- the child elf? No, no, like the dude, the, 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 like the boss guy. Oh, the guy that was uh, in Ten Things I Hate About You. Whatever his name. Yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> I like him more than I like Tim Allen. Anyway, Easily. <laughs> <laughs> the Santa Claus. Um, now this might be this might be his best line. Because I mean, a lot of the other stuff he's done has been like you know real family entertainment stuff. The Shaggy Dog comes to mind. I can't uh, even think of his back. Catalog. What was it? There was that superhero movie Zoom. That was mm. fun. But, you know, like, Disney, I, I the realm of Disney him, movies. I used to love him on TV. Yeah. Yeah. That's where he was sort of jumping into this. I mean, he had done yeah. a, a few, a few like, features and stuff, but he essentially was still known as Tim the Tall Man yeah. from uh, Home Improvement. Correct. Like, yeah. I was going to say, like, Room for Improvement. Like, I was going to come not, and save you in a second, but you, you got, there, you got there. There's a parallel, I guess, with him and his character, Jason, where... You know, he's playing an actor. He was this big star in this now debunked television show. Yeah. And I guess maybe there's a, I guess, a personal stake in this role for Tim Allen. Yeah. You know, sort of portraying this kind of character that is not so much lost, but hmm. you know, he's there. But I, I like what they did with the character. There were talks of, um, I guess, essentially when the character was being developed for him to sort of be in a bit of a rut, a bit lost. Yeah. Didn't really want to participate in these sorts of things, and then they were basically Alan Rickman. But yeah, but so they flipped and I said, "How about if we make him love it, love it, Mm -hmm. just endure and be like, yeah," which actually makes all the other characters go, all the other actors, I should say, resentful Mm -hmm. and bitter, and then it's like that was the key, and that's what I love about this is that it could have just been because the standard choice would be to just make him. Make them all just washouts and hell unhappy, and it's like that's yeah. sad, sad and miserable. This way, they can have a bit of fun. Everyone's yeah. pissed at him. There's already that conflict from the get go. So when yeah the movie unfolds, fighting between them, it's all, about yeah. them coming back together and yeah doing. I was gonna say what they do best, but it's like doing what they pretended to do best. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's great. <laughs> when you think of it like that, it's a bit off. But anyway, um, <laughs> he plays a really good narcissist. Just saying, it's very convincing. But there's a lot of emotional bits to him as well where you sympathise with him and you can Mm. show that he actually has a heart and he cares and I think even Sigourney Weaver's character points that out it's like he really does treat the fans well until of course there's that incident in the bathroom where he overhears sort of some guys sort of taking the piss which is actually based on a real Mm. actual event which happened to William Shatner at a 1989 convention where he apparently overheard people sort of taking Taking the piss piss and he sort of I mean, of course, that would be upsetting. So, well, it wasn't the William Shatner freakout moment that you talked about. No, that, I mean that was just a skit. Like this is an oh, actual, right, right, of course, yeah. true yeah. event. Yeah, right. Actually happened. There's heaps of other parallels as well. We continue with Jason's character. Like, yeah, him losing his shirt is a clear nod to Star Trek: The Original Series when Captain Kirk would mysteriously lose his shirt as well at every hand-to-hand fight. So, that's, is that right? That's 
You're not, you're not a big Star Trek guy, eh? I'm not a Trekker at no. all. Um, I've watched the series like no, once. I don't but... really... I never really hated it or anything. I just, just didn't to watch it. To be fair, it. But I don't think I had time. access to it, to be honest. Before our time. Yeah. <laughs> that was for old people. For old people. Yeah, I was like, that's the show my dad watched. <laughs> nah, but, you know, I, I went back and watched them, uh, you know, after, like, the new movie and stuff sort of went... Made me go, hang on, Star Trek's pretty cool. And then I watched it and... Sigourney Weaver. Gwen. Yeah, Gwen DeMarco. So she plays... Well, Sigourney Weaver plays Gwen DeMarco, who mm. plays Lieutenant Tawny Madison. Yeah. You Like, interestingly, they, they didn't want any any actors, and when I say actors, I mean for this movie, uh, who had, like, a background in sci-fi and stuff. Yeah. Obviously, Sigourney Weaver. She she's does. Like the queen of sci-fi. Yeah. She's... I was going to say the queen of alien, but that's... That's animal. Anyway, <laughs> stop trying to make jokes. Oh, God. But yeah, so you're really good she, at them. Obviously, she's got the that alien background. Yeah. Um, but no, I think they went with her anyway. And do you know what? That blonde wig, unrecognisable for the most part, unless you know it's her. But um, like I said, when I watched it for the first time, I didn't know it was her, and I had seen her in other things and stuff. Yeah, right. But... Okay, I knew it was her. Like, every single time I've seen it, I've okay, well, down. I have no, to right. point out... Um, <laughs> Gwen laments that her, her, um, that her TV Guide interview was six paragraphs of my boobs and how they fit into my suit. Um, that actually happened to Jerry Ryan, seven of nine in Star Trek Voyager. Even towards the tail end of the movie when you were resolving things, you're right, things are like they're coming together, they're cooperating, they're performing. We're talking Church still opens. Like, she still ends up. With are we talking basically. in like the in the new series that we get presented at the end of the movie? Or are we well, talking she's still about... wearing a very low cut top in that yeah. one. You well. do notice that it is a little bit more covered and stuff. So it's, it's so super conservative. Yeah, it's like oh, a little bit of progression. But apparently, she had actually like Sigourney Weaver actually had fake boobs All right. for this movie to, just to make them ridiculously like yeah like over the top over yeah, the right. top. But you you watch this and. I mean, I hate the fact that we're going straight to talking about her boobs. I mean, it's, it's part of her character. It's Well, and that... I think they make it fundamental to her. Yeah. It's how It's not part of her character, but it's part of the way that she's received. Like, it is it's what other people value. Right, yeah, value so there's her, that. Her, her, like, she, all she does is talk to a computer and relay that information. Right, yeah. And, and all it is is She's boobs. got one role. Okay, that's it. And she, she defends that role, too. She's like, I've only got one thing to do. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Do it. But it's... um. I mean, yeah, they make that commentary on her, like, as an actress, and I guess obviously addressing, yeah. you know, like, the the times that that had gone, you know, when that when that original show was out. Yeah. That, you know, she was overly sexualized, and yeah. that's all people really cared about, because she had no other sort of purpose. But I think, I think women in this, in this type of, not the industry, but that genre of TV... We're also hypersexualized. I mean, well. take, yeah, I mean, exact. Take like Ahura in um, in Star Trek. You know, like the yeah, female I know who, body. I know who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, you know, like the tight outfits, the yeah. the boobs are pressed up. That's it's what it was like, and I guess that's what they're addressing here. But I mean, they mm. they really bring it home when you know in the climactic scenes, her outfit is pretty much torn to shreds, and her boobs are just out for like the whole third act. Yeah, like it's. It was like <laughs> I just watched it. I was actually I never really realized how much they were just out. Before yeah, this most yeah. recent viewing, I was like, they're just really. But I'm oh, like, I, I definitely caught on to the joke. It's the point. Time. The point is for it to just be a joke because yeah. of, I guess, all the realistic stuff is all the real stuff is happening, which is reflecting their fictional lives mm. on the television show. So it's sort of like, oh, things are just happening because yeah. that's how I guess it would. Happen. That's how it is going to play out. Yeah. <laughs> so the yeah. jokes there. 
I do. She actually has one of my like she has one of the favorite scenes in the movie, and it's when they they're taking the directions and they get they turn around and there's the the chomping room, the chomping the, thing, yeah, yeah. We, we, we might talk about dubbing a little bit later, <laughs> but there is a moment, and it is one of my honestly, I wrote it even down, the so line that is that that she states is funny, yeah, which is well, like, screw like, that, yeah, <laughs> screw that, but it's like. Fuck that. She actually... She I mean, says it. She, she says it, yeah. She we'll mouths get it, but to, they redub it. Yeah. We'll get to the, the changes and stuff, but um, yeah, that but was... That, that whole sequence is amazing, though, because the whole thing is her like her reaction, like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, like... And, no, the, and mean, the rest I, of it is, this was the worst written scene. Who came up with this scene? <laughs> Why? And even though they, they're getting through the danger, and on the other side, they're like, what the fuck is going on? That is funny. Yeah, like, you get to <laughs> that part of the movie, because, I mean, the premise of... <laughs> the premise of this movie is that these aliens thought that this, you know, like this television show were was mm. like a real recount, accounting yeah. of what had happened, and then they built this ship to model theirs that they mm. had because they, you know, wanted they wanted an authentic ship for them. Yeah. But then it's like, it's crazy that they went to the effort of actually putting in like the chompers <laughs> and just because they it had appeared on one episode, so yeah. yeah. So they did it anyway. It's like, who wrote this episode? It's crazy. But it was great, yeah, because it was just a true reflection and brought you out of it. And it's like, it's almost like breaking the fourth wall, that element. It was like, who the hell wrote this? Who came up with this it's idea? Way, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like, this movie is meta without actually mm. breaking the fourth wall, yeah. like you said. It's meta because there is a meta element within the narrative, yeah. which is quite different. Oh. And unique. Like, it's, yeah, it's cool. Definitely for the time. Um, let's keep on going. What else we got? We've got Dr. Lazarus. Yeah. Alan Rickman mm. plays Alexander Dane, the actor. The sad actor. Who plays Dr. Lazarus. But he's a... He's not happy with his life. Well, he's a... He's an actor from, like, a Shakespearean sort of, you yeah. know, quality. You know, it's about... He's a true thespian. Mm. He is an actor's actor. Well, that's what they say. Like, so Tim Allen's character says, like, he's he's refusing to go out on the podium at the convention. <laughs> Tim Allen just goes, "Show must go on." <laughs> he's like, "Damn it!" Like, he wants to bail. He yeah. wants to bail. He's, he's in his trench coat, walking out the door. One thing I love. I mean, we already talk, kind of talked about it. You know, his dry humor that Alan Rickman has already, but he's he's just doing that. He's just doing that in this movie, and that's yeah. that's the Alexander Dane character. Yeah. Um, <laughs> his his line, the by. I don't know, Asgard's Hammer, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's not it. Um, I can tell you what it is because you made me say it. I at made the top. you say it. Um, <laughs> by Grabthar's Hammer. Yeah, not Asgard's Hammer. And by the Sons of Warven. Mm. Now, I don't have my notes in front of me to actually fact check that, so you might be wrong. But yeah. anyway, continue, continue. He doesn't, he hates that line. Yeah, he, he doesn't does. want to say it. He cringes oh, the, when the bit yeah. where they're, um, they're, they're promoting that, that, I don't know. The new store opening order it is, and yeah. it's just like sale, like you know, yeah. great yeah. savings. He does it, I grab but it's yeah. wonderful when later on, where you know the the Thermian, one of the Thermians is um, I can't remember his name right now, but yeah. um, dying in his arms, yeah. And he says the line like dramatically, yeah. but like with true sort of conviction. It's yeah. like you will He's be like, avenged. you will be avenged, yeah. And the dying Thermian is just like. In pure joy, mm. in his last breath, just like that was wonderful and amazing. Mm. Like, he's a true fan, and then he dies. And he, and he, and does. he dies. He does. But yeah, I mean, mm. without Alan Rickman, I think a lot of the comedy would be lost. I think because he's yeah. playing a lot of time. He, even though he's the grumpy girl, he is essentially still the straight man. He and he's yeah. going into it, 
and just be like, I hate everything that's yeah. that's happening, and we shouldn't be here, and this is ridiculous. Yeah. And like when they make they make the food for him, and they they feed him yeah. like steak or something, and then they feed him like blood ticks, and they and and he's just like, oh, just like Mum used to make, <laughs> sarcastically, and then just drops it and just yeah. Oh yeah, it's gross because obviously he's meant to be some sort of like alien type yeah. thing. It's weird that he doesn't actually remove his um his head kind of he almost does I mean it starts to come off no 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 but he goes to do it at one point when he's about to bail oh yeah yeah or something and then yeah they keep it on him but yeah it it starts tearing and his hair starts coming coming out but Mm. yeah it's crazy you know when he's he's holding the tracking device yes upside down another subtle reference to uh, the old Star Trek the first season in fact of the original series where Mr. Spock often held his tricorder upside down due to Leonard Nimoy not yet being familiar with the prop. <laughs> so just a little little homage thing there. Which character we talk about next? You want to talk about Fred Kwan? Or do you want to talk about Sam Rockwell? We can talk about Sam Rockwell. That's fine. It's all about Sam. Get back to... Because I like this fact. <laughs> so based on his portrayal of Guy, uh, uh, he based his portrayal of Guy, sorry, on one of my favourite characters of all time. <laughs> of all time. Um, no, genuinely. Bill Paxton's... Um, Formus and James Cameron Aliens as Corporal Hicks. Mm. What a legend it's that just, guy is. Yeah, it's like the the over the top, like lots of energy, hysterical screaming. Yeah. Um, yeah, just nailed it. This was one of the first, um, I guess, Sam Rockwell roles I had yeah. I had seen or recognised, and then I don't think I really saw him again until Iron Man Two. That's what he plays Hammer in. Yeah, I know he's appeared in a lot more things and I've seen more things now and I'm like, oh, it's that guy. But Have you seen him? Have you seen the movie Moon? I haven't actually, but apparently it's amazing. It's a great movie. And I'm uh, I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it. He's the star of it. But um, for some reason I didn't remember him playing Guy. And he's he's the MC of the convention at the start. And I wrote down in my notes that one of the first things I wrote down was, oh, there's Sam Rockwell. And then completely not thinking about it. And then he joins them. I'm like... He's like really, joins he's them. really in this movie. Yeah, yeah, so he plays. For some reason, I thought it it was like a hybrid of Tony Shalhoub or something because <laughs> he's really anyway. But anyway, but he plays Guy. We we eventually found out Guy Fleegman, and that I guess there's the joke there where it's like, "What's my last name? I don't even have one." It's like you do have a last name. You just don't know what it is. <laughs> um, so he's the cast crew seventy. He's the something. cast handler at the conventions. Yeah. Um, He's also crewman number six. He appeared That's in one episode yeah. of the sh- of the show. He essentially is, um, I guess, a parody of like the red shirt guys from yeah. Star Trek. So the guys in the red shirts were always like, no names, or if they did have a name, only one name, and they Correct. die. And so that's his whole theory is that he's going to die because that's how the show goes. But obviously, this is meant to be like reality. There's a line that um, Sigourney Weaver's character says. Let's get out of here before one of those things kills guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just cuts. It's <laughs> like, oh, it's very, very amusing. Like, that's because I think by then they're just like, things are going to happen. Like, things are going to happen. But it's great when he eventually gets a full uh, role on the show when it's revived. Um, and he's credited as Security Chief Rock Ingersoll. Right, so yeah, if we eventually get that TV series follow up, uh, mm. you know, there we go. We- yeah, awesome. <laughs> So let's talk Tony Shalab, yeah. who plays the actor Fred Kwan, which yeah. is apparently not his name, which is weird, and I'll get to why to set. Yeah. So, and the character he plays in the show is yeah. Tech Sergeant Chen. Right. So, funny, like, just his character, funny. Mm. Like, he's 
he's there and he's even though everyone's freaking out about everything he's just along for the roller this is fun this is yeah. cool he thinks I don't know whether he thinks this is all real or this is all just really really well made like it's a feeling he's just dumb but he's sitting on the spaceship and he's eating I don't know if it's like popcorn or this like nuts or something <laughs> yeah. it was cool because at one point when they arrive and like he arrives late so he's missed all of like the aliens outside like the like, octopus form yeah. and stuff and then but they're all like oh my god and he's, he's just like that was oh, great that was one hell of a thing oh. and just keeps on walking that's cool <laughs> he's shaking everyone's hand he's just like yeah how are you guys all going but Fred Kwan is apparently not his real name mm. um, and he goes into what they call Chen mode right. so what he does he narrow, narrows his eyes as if to an intimidate and in, to imitate sorry an East Asian appearance right when prompted by someone saying his name or otherwise reminded to be in character yeah so this is kind of like a satire on the method of casting Europeans as other races although Tony Shalab is ethnically Lebanese but still right. you know he does appear as well, he, he has an Asian name and he's not yeah. Asian he's but not, he does there's a lot of shots where he's doing the squinting yeah it's like his opening shot you know, when they're introducing the character he's like yeah I got you um What's your favourite Tony Shalob performance? I mean, like Monk comes to mind. Mm. What else was he in? Do you remember that movie, um, Paulie? With the parrot? Yeah, he was in that. Oh, okay, as a human. Yeah. He was a human and he was he a friend of Paulie. That oh. Paulie finds him. Oh, they're all friends of Paulie. <laughs> yeah, I know, no, but like he's, yeah. But Everyone's a friend of Paulie. Good I movie. Thought he, I thought he was really good in that. Anyway, um, but week. he was really good in this as well. But he's, I think he's underused. But I think part of that is his character is because he's, he's so subtle and just a little bit dim or seemingly dim, perhaps. But I mean, it's also the fact that he plays the guy that's in the engine room, you know, he's, mm. the, he's a tech guy. So you always see him on the monitor. Yeah. You always see him sort of when there's a crisis, they refer to him and it's like, yeah. and he's the one who he gets to do all the beaming up. And, the, yeah. and then there's the sort of the relationship with it, with Laraliel or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to her in a sec, so we'll talk more about that in, yeah. in a minute. But Tommy Weber, so played by Daryl Mitchell. Mm. He plays Tommy Weber, who plays Lieutenant Laredo. <sighs> I'm glad we're done with the actors after this. Yeah. But yeah. this is cool because this is the, I guess the parallel here is, is that child actor. Mm. who's on a spaceship, and then now he's grown up. He's yeah. a little bit older, so he can get involved. But it's... Super nervous about everything. Super yeah. squealy. But he's the pilot, so he's got to fly that very real spaceship. Yeah. And um, yeah, like the scene How where funny is the launch. Yeah, oh. yeah, where he's, it just slows. Well, he's getting it done. And yeah. It's like, and it comes out, it's just got these huge scratches along the side. <laughs> and everyone's just <laughs> like, they got there. But I love that, the, you know, the, again, jumping to the end, where it's like, Everyone's got to do their bit to make sure they, you know, get everything done. And it's sort of like, what does he need to do? He needs to go and learn, learn. how to fly. Yeah. So he just spends the next, like, half an hour, whatever Watching it is, the videos. Watching videos, moving controls, you know, like, getting yeah. it done. And then... And he does it. He starts flying through asteroid fields, like, or whatever it is. Like, Minefields. Like, yeah, with mind the fields. mines and the triangle. Picking, picking them all up. Yeah, but good, but good. So that's the cast. That's, well, that's the... The main cast. Well, that's the cast. The, I think it's in the cast of the, the TV cast. show. Then we've got Brandon and the fans. Brandon. Um, this is Justin Long's debut cinematic appearance. He does look this young. Movie, he definitely looks this young. This movie really is about the fans. Like The only reason that these actors are able to pull off what they do by the end of it is mm. because they refer to the fans yeah. and they get help from him. And Brandon, you know, is 
he gets his community of online little yep. of mates. Gets them all on the webcam lined up there. But I love it how like he doesn't just have all the, the you know the, the schematics of the ship. He has to refer to his mate who has the other part. Yeah. And it's like what? <laughs> but and then you got that young fellow who's just kind of watching the uh, the chompers for the right timing and stuff. He's like. It's three, two, two, three. Like this is the yeah, this is yeah, the code. Yeah. Like this is the sequence. And yeah. It's like yeah, go, 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 go. And and yeah, they they kill it. I think one of the funniest things is when the the the, the self destruct is happening and it's counting down. And you haven't seen Brandon for a while. Hasn't you haven't seen him. him. But just before it all started, his mum busts into his room and says, "Got to take the bins out." He goes, I'll, yeah, do I'll definitely do it. I'll definitely I'll do, do it. it. And then. It's counting down. It's critical time. And then they're trying to get hold of him. They're like, where Brandon, are you? Brandon, where and are you? And then it cuts to Brandon running outside, throwing the rubbish in the bin and running. And it's like... But I like how he's also... at the end of the day, he's just a kid. He's also still pleading with his bum, like, there's serious, there's serious going shit going on. I yeah. mean, you know, like, the fate of everyone is in at stake here, blah, blah, blah. And then she's still like, I don't care. I'll oh, put that in the recycling. You didn't do that right. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh. But it is hilarious. I like it's, it. re- it's really well done. It's It's... It's just very real, I think, even though it's funny. It's not... I mean, this is, like, to do with the comedy as well. It's, like, it's not over-the-top, like, just silly mm. things happening. It's... That's just a... It's real world It's stuff. a funny situation. Yeah. And uh, I just love it. And the way it's cut and presented to us, because they hold off revealing that she makes him go out there. It just cuts to him out there. Just like, And you know what's up. You know what's going yeah, on. Exactly. Um, so, great. Um, and great, great debut performance. Well done, Justin um, Long. Like I said, it's... This movie is about the fans and how and they use these characters. Apparently, they uh, Justin Long wasn't actually going to have a big a bigger role. It was just going to be at the convention. That's it done. But mm. then they continued to be like, no, we've got something here. We can do something with them. So I yeah. love that. And they used him very well. Uh, who have we got? The Thermians. Let's talk about the Thermians. Now we got to talk about Enrico Colantoni first. Um, he's basically like the head honcho mm. Thermian. He's Mathazar. And funnily enough, you know, like how they, you know, the way they walk, the way they speak, mm. um, Enrico auditioned with the behavior and voice pattern that they ended up using. All right. So he just went in there and was like, what if we talk, you know, like, and yeah. talk something like, like that. And this. they went with it. Yeah. Um, there's also obviously the puppet it's so strings. so annoying, but it's so perfect. I, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's great. <laughs> the puppet strings. Um, mm. Basically, yeah, it's like they walk as if they're they're attached to puppet strings. Yeah. Their personas are like constantly happy Jehovah Witnesses, is mm. I think what they described it as. Yeah. Um, and they even got all the cast to go to alien school, where <laughs> other idiosyncrasies were developed, which is fantastic. But yeah, these characters like there's heaps of blinking you miss them if you know if you these names that have sort of become a little bit bigger mm. over time. You got Patrick Breen as Qualek. I think he's the one that dies in. Um, in Alexander's arms. All oh, right. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's him. He's okay. like the second in command kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Missy Pyle is Laliari. Now she was she was um, her role was actually pretty small, mm. but then they expanded it when they realised that Sigourney Weaver was like the only woman in this movie. Yeah. So they're like, well, you got to give a bigger part. But I think actually Steven Spielberg came in. He was on set visiting, doing something, and then right. he suggested. Um, hey, why don't you expand her role, make it a bit bigger? And then yeah. they brought in the, the storyline with her and Quan, sort of having a little bit of a thing, a flirtation, yeah. and then eventually a relationship. Yep. Um, very interesting. Very in- interesting. Um, yeah. And then we got? Rain, got Wilson. Rain Wilson. He actually, yeah, cinematic uh, debut appearance as well. And he played Lank. 
Yeah, so you see him in like the limo, and then you see him. I think briefly later on on like the bridge. He's at, yeah, he's at um, Tim Allen's house as well. Yeah, good. Yeah. And they put him in the limo, kind of thing. But, but he doesn't really get too much action, to be honest. I don't even think he has a speaking role. Think about it. I can't remember. Him I think he says a few very minor lines, if any. Yeah. But yeah, just very, very brief. But he's there. Ray he's Wilson. There. We know him from like The Office and stuff like that, and yep. all that kind of jazz. It's great. Um, the Native Planet. Klaatu Nebula is a mm. reference to the name of the alien visitor in the classic The Day the Earth Stood, Stood Still, 1951. And then later on in, I think, well, it's not reference to that, but it's <laughs> in 2001, I think they released that remake of it, remember? Yeah. Keanu Reeves. That was so bad. It wasn't the best. No, it wasn't the best at all. <laughs> I've seen better things before. Mm. Yeah. But I love these characters. You mentioned, like, their voices are a little bit annoying, but, like, mm. so signature and just yeah. the things that they say, that moment where... Uh, Mathazar's, you know, being tortured and he finds out, you know, because they have no concept of lying. fiction. Yeah. They they consider it to be lying, yeah. if that's the case. And then when, you know, Jason has to basically confess and tell him everything, you know, mm. explain that they're actors, they do it to entertain. Yeah. But why? <laughs> oh, no, genuinely yeah, no, a heartbreaking no. scene. Like, yeah, because... Like, cause, and because... Our next character we're going to talk about is Saris. Saris is there goading him and saying, he doesn't understand. You're going to actually have to tell mm. him properly. And he's the bad guy. I like, it, I like um, it how Saris actually does understand what a television show, even just by watching mm. the opening credits of Galaxy Quest, he's like, like oh. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So he, he understands immediately, but also because he's a species that is capable of lying or, or mis, um, of, uh, you know, Deceit and things. It's like kind that. of interesting. So, does that mean because you're a species that's capable of lying, that or you acting. can therefore perform, act, and put on a sh- good show? <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess that's without what the it's ability telling. to lie, you can't have entertainment. Not fictional entertainment, mm. anyway. Um, let's quickly talk about our um, main antagonist, Saris. I, I didn't catch the species that he is. They don't actually say it, don't they? Yeah, okay. they're just he's just like a reptilian humanoid of sort. So. Cool. Um, which is more of a description (laughs) yeah they look like I don't know what they look like do you know what they reminded me of and and I haven't seen it in such a long time so I'm probably wrong but the um, the live action um, Mario Brothers there's like what the Goombas there's there's animals in there either Coopers or something in there and they look like reptilian aren't they but it's been a very long time it's like that crossed with like you know the, the new Ninja Turtles or I also feel like there was on the um, in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy that live action as well. There was like reptilian animals, like alien similar. I guess you can only, you can do so much. You only do mm. so much with reptilian humanoid creatures. True. They basically um, look the same. But he's got like sort of spider leg things coming out of his head, like antennas. He's, uh, he gets his he gets, when he's angry. He gets like little flare. Things yeah, like, like, <laughs> like a, things pop up behind him. Yes, that's like the lizard part of him. Yeah. Oh, um, so he's played by Robin Sachs. Um, and his name is Rothar Saris, but everyone has called him Saris. 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 Um, but I love his introduction where Tim Allen just believes, genuinely believes that it's just like, it's a it's video an mock And he's just like, this is fantastic. This is great. Yeah. And then so, yeah, later on he calls him like a dumb something. Yeah. It's dummy dude or whatever he calls him. And it's just like, hmm. He's just sitting there like waiting like, what? <laughs> I like that scene where um, where Jason, where Tim Allen's... Um, he says, cut, cut, the, cut, the, cut the video, <laughs> and then runs off and does something. And yeah, he's like, yeah, cool, yeah. and comes back, and he's like, yeah. And Gwen's just like, video. yeah, I, I thought you just meant, yeah, we're dead, and I agreed with you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we are dead. But um, he's, what I like is that, 
I mean, they could have just played him off as, like, a goofball villain, you know, mm. like, oh, yeah, he's the threat, but, you know, not really a big deal at the end of the day. But he's killing the Thermians. Like, yeah. He's opening, you know, airlock things and, you know, suffocating them and stuff like that. Yeah. He's, he's, there's that moment at the end, you know, before the Omega-13 thing where he shoots down pretty much everyone except Guy, which is another little joke. Mm. <laughs> Guy's the only one who doesn't get shot. Yeah. But he's... He's there to kill. Like, yeah. they give, there's, a, there's a genuine threat. Mm. I like that. They could have gone really silly. Well, could have, they could have. could have just made him slapstick. But he's not slapstick. Or just be like, I'm evil, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, he is, I'm evil, I'm the bad guy, but there's... What do you reckon about his prosthetics and stuff? I like the contact lenses. They're pretty cool. Yeah, well, the design's fine. I mean, it's... It's that dated, but... It's dated now, but I mean, it's pretty good for yeah. them. I'm, I'm glad they went with... Like, they just put him in a suit and it wasn't... They didn't try and do a CGI because there is CGI in this movie and it's a bit shoddy, but you know, it's 99. Yeah, for 99. <laughs> we, we can't defend 99. It's like <laughs> we had movies like The Matrix. Yeah, true. Seven years earlier or six years earlier, we had Jurassic Park. We had Terminator 2 the year before oh, that. Like, no. come on. But it was only $45 million. That's true. Um, <laughs> one of the things, so I said said about Saris' contact lenses. Mm. If you look, he's got two pupils on that contact lens mm. that the actor does. It's very, it just looks cool. Um, <laughs> and I liked him. I liked him. You've written here on our notes, Jason, what is Omega-13? Well, the I guess the, the main story and Saris's motivation is to get the Omega-13. Because he's heard it's a universe-destroying weapon. It was just a MacGuffin thing that they used in the TV show. So they don't even know what it is. It's just like, yeah. well, 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 there are theories. And again, referring to Brandon and the fans and stuff, mm. it's like, they're like, well, you know, there have been theories and people have speculated that it's this or that. Yeah. Um, and it turns out it's a... Time machine? It's a little time machine, a 13 second time, time machine. machine. So it's not the Omega 14 with 14 seconds, it's 13. 13 mm. seconds. Even though I'm pretty sure that scene goes on for about a minute, but that's fine. All good. Doesn't matter. All good, Doesn't mate. Matter. Time is a little bit different in space. Let's. Time dilation, sir. Ooh. Ooh. Well, they do go through black holes and stuff. <laughs> the um, words. Anyway, we've been rambling. I think it might be time to take a break, everybody. What do you reckon? Yep. Cool. We'll refill our drinks and we'll get back. More beer. More beer. We'll be right back. Never give up. Never surrender. Never give up, never surrender. Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. And we are the guys from That Film Stew. Do you like movie reviews and want to keep up to date with the latest in movie and TV news? Then That Film Stew is the podcast for you. Join us every two weeks for some good times, laughs and firm opinions on the things we love. That's right. There's a new podcast released every two weeks on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. That Film Stew Podcast. Listen, comment, follow, share. Never give up, never surrender. <laughs> never give up, never surrender. Oh, shut up. All right, we're back, guys. Uh, let's, and we're back. Let's kick off with David Newman's score for this movie. Um, not his ranking, his, like, not his number <laughs> score, like his um, musical <laughs> score. <laughs> what did you think of it? I liked it. Now, there's two, I guess there's two main components. There's, like, the actual score for the movie as such, you know, like, when the movie's actually, you know, playing out and mm. characters are doing things and things are happening and there's action and there's comedy and uh, you know there's music mm. there's also the television show galaxy quest yeah yeah theme which he made now he he actually produ- super corny he and produced, super, yeah. <laughs> he produced two um i guess like two tracks for it which he presented to like you know the, the filmmakers and stuff the mm. first one was in vain of that original uh, star trek uh, the original series um, sort of opening where it was sort of you know 
Yeah. You know, like the bit mystical and stuff like that. Vaguely you know what you're talking about, but yeah. yes. Yeah, got you. Before you get like the space to find, you know? Oh, yeah, I've got you. Yep, Before yep. it gets into the, the more deeper stuff. Uh-huh. Um, a little heavier stuff, I guess. Um, <laughs> he also presented I mean, what we get in the movie, and that's all they went with, where it's a bit more... Um, you know, there's a lot more energy to it. it like you said, a bit corny. There was, it, it felt like something of that time as well, which is, yeah. I suppose you can. I love it when music sounds like something, and when I hear it, I I can see the spaceship sort of coming in on the title card. Like I, I, yeah. I see that every time. That's fair. I can I can agree with that it's visualization. A, I guess it's yeah. a catchy tune. I think it's catchy. I think it's lovely. And looking at his. As we're just looking at his back catalogue, it seems like he's tailored to family oriented movies. Yeah, which I guess this movie um, falls into that category. I'd say so. Family suitable and, and all that. Although there are a few elements of it that probably go over kids' heads, but it's fine. That's okay. It's the, PG, the best, the best uh, kids' family movies do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, agree. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, so, yeah, I look, my, my thoughts are is it created the right atmosphere. It's catchy. I, I really like the differentiation between. The TV show and their li- them living their life. Yeah, um, and it adds stakes to it. Like it was, it was nice. I can't tell you. I can't say that I can remember what the theme. No, was but I mean, it it worked whilst I was watching the movie. Yeah, it's not. Besides the actual Galaxy Quest opening credits, sort of theme music, like fanfare that stuff I can do. Oh, yeah. I can do. But the can you? Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, I can oh, do okay. it. I can do it in my head. It's, it's in, not so it's much. In your brain. It's in not your so brain. much spitting it out. Thanks for that. Making me feel a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, <laughs> the, the actual score for the film is, is a lot different, but still it sort of reflects back on like sci-fi drama flicks, mm-hmm. keeping it sort of still. There's enough energy in there where it's like there's that family movie kind of art, like energy to it where it's not. Mm. You know, this isn't one of those gritty sci-fi movies where it needs to be really dramatic no. and stuff. Although they still have those beats and stuff. Um, and then when you jump to the end of the movie where there's the revival TV show, yeah. it's the same thing, but it's sort of updated. up. Yeah, yeah. so it, it has a more of a modern, contemporary feel. Yeah. I say contemporary, 20 years old. <laughs> 20 years old, but at the time... But not definitely... something from the 60s or 70s or whenever the, the yeah. show was. Absolutely. Let's talk Let's talk a little bit of the, the comedy versus the drama. Yeah. Because it's a bit... It was So the movie was originally PG-13, but um, much darker with more scenes of violence, swear words, crude jokes, things like that. Um, and it was edited down to a PG emphasising the comedy. Well, we just mentioned, you know, like, this is this does feel like a family movie and it passes as a family movie. I mean, Tim Allen is in it. It's a family movie. It is a family movie. <laughs> he doesn't do anything else. Could you imagine if he was in, like, a thriller or something? Yeah, like, even Wild Hogs was, like... Kid friendly, wasn't it? Shit, I can't essentially. Tim forgot that movie. I didn't know it existed. <laughs> and there's two of them. That was just one that was there. Wild Hog too. I think there was, wasn't it? What? Well, maybe that was. was that other movie that was very similar. Had the similar. Oh, like, all, just old dudes. Yeah, old dogs. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> that's what we're thinking of. Anyway, where did we go then? Yes, this movie did originally start off much darker than it was. That ended up by being, mm. and your thought is that it's a Tim Allen movie, so it had to be like. Oh no! I just mean, uh, but yeah, pretty much. Can you imagine the the confusion there? It'd be, there'd be madness if, <laughs> if he was in like a intense, gritty thriller with violence and gore. And now, isn't that what Adam Sandler's just done with Uncut Gems? Apparently, oh, Adam Sandler's done heaps of like adult films. Yeah, but yeah, okay. <laughs> it's like when Jim Carrey did Cable Guy, and everyone's like, "What is going yeah. on?" It's like it's funny, but it's kind of not. But then it's also weird when he goes back and does something like 
Mr. Popper's penguins or something. Just yeah. like, what are you doing, man? You're better than this. I'm really looking forward to him in Sonic. All right. Conversation for another day, but yeah, yeah that's, that's a fun draw. That's yeah. Fun draw. <laughs> but yeah, this movie. Yeah. Back to this movie. Back so to Galaxy Quest. Lots of... They actually made this movie as a more or- adult-orientated film. like, And then the studio went like, nah, let's... Let's just make it fun and friendly and accessible yeah. to everyone. But do you know what? Yeah, it. I mean, I first watched this movie thinking this would be a nice little, very suitable movie for me to, to watch. It'd be mm. all good. Um, but I can still watch it and enjoy it now. Like, not on the level of a kid's movie. Just, it doesn't need no. anything else. Just because it's appropriate doesn't mean this movie is for kids. Yeah. It's just, it's appropriate and accessible by them. It doesn't need to be. And I don't think, I mean, maybe Sigourney Weaver saying like that would have been funnier that is the only thing but is it worth the extra rating putting people off taking their kids and parents and you know having a shared family experience and then all of for a sudden, one joke maybe not maybe not maybe not i i can see it i would love to see that without the dub though watch that documentary because, well i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to do it now because that honestly it but captured I, me i saw it and i was like oh my god i never she really left bomb and that would it was brilliant. It was so brilliant. I and I reread it three it. times. I never noticed it until I saw it in that documentary. And, and they they actually play it a couple of times just yeah. in case you missed it. Just, and it's like just screw that. <laughs> I'm like, I can't unsee it. It's yeah. it's dead set her saying, well, you know, f that. You know, I definitely didn't notice it the first two times I've seen it. But when I watched it the other day, yeah, I noticed it immediately. I rewound it twice and rewatched it. And I was like, you can clearly say she, see she drops the f bomb, well, the they, redub. They it's... do it. They do it in multiple places. I'm not even sure how many times there was a redub done. But Tommy's line, um, "You are so full of it, man." Originally was, "You are so full of shit, man." So they just redub yeah. it. Like, You're so full of it. I reckon they could have just cut it to make cut that one rhymes. So, <laughs> but who knows where else? Yeah, there was. But yeah, like I said, I wouldn't have wanted. You don't need the violence. I mean, it does get pretty gritty. Like, the Thermians, you know, like, suffocating, being blown around the room. Yeah. It's, like, it's pretty grim. Tony Shalab making out with Lizard Lady. Not Lizard Lady. Jelly Lady. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely innuendos and stuff. Yeah. What was her name again? Lily, <laughs> Lily, Lily Liar or something like that. Let's just call her Lilia. Lilia. Lilaria? Lilaria. Let's just say that. Anyway. Sam Rockwell's response, though, in that scene, that's not right, is... Brilliant. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Let's talk special effects. Uh, what have we got? Um, the visual effects, uh, especially, well, this back in that day, pretty much there was only one company doing it, but they were <laughs> by Industrial Light Magic. Quarter put money on it. Um, yeah, <laughs> it would have been a safe bet, I reckon. Um, and at that point, Stan Winston was still with us, so he would have been heading that one. But it was uh, Bill George, I think, was leading yeah. the effects team for this one. So. Well, you could tell, yeah. Like, obviously, like there, are, there is CGI in it. There's also like practical effects as well, which oh, is definitely. really fantastic to see. Like that's what we love. Well, Saris is practical. Um, You've got like the the CGI octopus forms of the Thermians. Yeah. There's a practical pig lizard thing that you see that gets turned inside inside out. Oh, that's one of my favorite scenes, by the way. See, the fact that. It's it's inside out and gross. It's like that only works because it's practical. Yeah, if that was CGI. It wouldn't look the same. And That's right. It'd just be like, eh. but it's really there and it looks gross. Yeah, I like it. And it's turned inside out and then it explodes <laughs> and they're relaying that back to the team. It's turned inside out. It's just exploded. <laughs> it did what? <laughs> <laughs> and then it all works out. And it, it does work out in the end. Well, there's actually there's a ch- there was a challenge in the CGI to make a distinction between the Galaxy Quest show that we see. Uh, where I guess the set was all practical, there was mm. lots of things like that, and the more realistic scenes, I guess, 
I guess, in the with the contemporary actors, you know, within the main chunk of this movie. So. Yeah. But I think they they made it a mission to actually make this movie not look shitty. Yeah. Like, they were like, look, if we're doing this, if they're going into space, to have... I guess the whole point, you have these actors, mm. and they're going into space, and they're, they're like, oh, wow, like, the, the TV show that we th- were pretending to, you know, do this stuff with, this is all real now. This, what they're seeing, what we're seeing, has to look real as well. Otherwise, mm. we're not going to buy that those actors are... Are like wow, we're actually really in space now. Yeah. But when you see that shot of Tim Allen standing there in space, it's like, oh wow, pretty decent. Yeah. The spaceship, the mm. protector, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Like, it looks pretty damn good, you know. Like, I think it does. The um, you've got the gel that kind of encompasses them when they're about to go on star travel. Yeah. It looks pretty damn good. Yeah, um, like it's not, it's not like super no. super realistic, but it works enough to for us to be like, okay, yeah. that works. Um, like, the rock monster dude. Yeah, I mean Where cartoony, but. Yeah, I know, but it's still the textures and stuff look good. It wasn't well, work, like yeah. even the little baby weird things that eat that eat their weak, <laughs> whatever they're called. Those they don't think they even get named. They're just the blue creatures. Yeah. But they, I mean, they're okay. They were not as good, but I mean, they're probably the weakest part of the CGI. But they worked and they're cute and yeah. they served their purpose. The for whole horde the... of them. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I like them. How funny! Um, that was actually one of the funniest things because it's like. Oh, they're gonna let him drink. So yeah. I was like, surely they're you know they're gonna eat you, dude. Why are you going? Why are you going to the watering hole? They're gonna eat you. You know they're gonna eat you. <laughs> You're one of them. <laughs> he so doesn't that, know. He's a yeah. younger one. But they're actually similar creatures. Uh, well, they're based on similar creatures in Barbarella. And you mentioned that rock monster inspired yeah. by the Gorn that Kirk faces in the Star Trek episode Arena. Cool. Yeah, Star Trek stuff. Yeah, Star That's Trek. That's what it's all about. Love it. The Chompers scene with Nesmith and Marco, all CGI as well. Yeah, I could but tell that. That looked pretty good. Oh, it was good. Oh, it's fine. You could tell it was, but... Um, um, but that them trying to reach the self-destruct abort button was inspired by a scene from the 1997 film Event Horizon involving whirling blades. Right. Sam Neill's in that one. He is. Didn't really like Have it. Have you seen it? Yeah, I didn't like it's it. It's a bit of a horror. It's pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, it's not Netflix like... casts it as a horror. It was in the horror category. It is, because you get, like, melted people and stuff. I guess. It's pretty boring. Was Lawrence Fishburne in that one? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people in that movie. Mm. Anyway, yep. Yep, cool, cool, cool. But cool. yeah, CGI, pretty good. I thought it was right. Yeah, I, I read it. Look, so we for like 99, it wasn't the best example of 1999, but it wasn't the worst either. But there's that blend of, uh, you know, practical and stuff. They used no, it. We love it. Yeah, we, you know. We love it. Um, um, but we've mentioned... Um, we mentioned how this movie sort of ends. It wraps up mm. with the with the revival of the Galaxy Quest. Uh, the journey continues. Just another Star Trek fun fact. The 17-year gap between the two shows is the same amount of time that elapsed between the original Star Trek series and Star Trek The Next Generation. Very cool. Is that intentional? Yeah, must have been. Who knows? Let's say it is. Yeah, that makes it. That Brilliant makes it writing. Cool. Brilliant writing. <laughs> um, I, I always wondered, though, so when they're making the next the TV show, that was the rebooted TV show... Mm. Are we talking real world or are we talking within the movie? No, in the... In, the no, in, the, in a movie. In yeah. The movie. So they're, they're, new, they're, they're new ones, like they're successful TV Yeah, shows. The Journey Continues. Yeah, yeah Journey Continues. Yeah, it's written right there. Um, that one. The alien, Lil, called Lilia, whatever her name is. Lil- <laughs> I'm Lil- pretty sure we've said it 17 <laughs> different times. Lilia, we, you know who we're talking about. Um, the girl one. The at girl some alien. point, she would have had to come to the realisation that they actually always were lying. Yeah. Because she doesn't live on the well, set. Well, I think, I think after they... After they told, you know, Mathazar the whole deal, I, I think eventually no, cause, they, cause Mathazar, they had the Mathazar conversation. Because Mathazar walks out and he goes, oh, that was a good ruse that you pulled. 
good bluff or something like that. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> Which to me indicates that they thought that they were just trying to trick... Um, what's his name? The dragon dude. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So she thinks that he's a hero. They go back to Earth and then he's just a random dude. And they'd have to explain something it. And they, she would lose all trust in him. they needed to explain in the, in the sequel. Or maybe it's addressed in the comics. Who knows? I don't know. Someone let us know. I'm not looking it up. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah, in. Tell, tell us what you think about it's our accurate research, everybody. I mean, I'm more, I'm more questioning the logistical nightmare of, like, does she have citizenship? Does she have working rights? Is she now a citizen of Earth in some degree? She could be. She's got the little re-imaging thing. Jeez, that would be confusing, though. Sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> they've, got, they've got space technology. They can make fake... They do have Documents. space technology. They do. Sounds good. All right, mate. That's, I'm pretty sure that's the wrap up of, of the our the movie itself. Uh, let's yep. do our let's do our quiz where I think it's your turn to quiz me. Yeah, man. This time round, we're gonna do ten seconds. Do we introduce it? Ten seconds in 20, ten questions in sixty seconds is what we do. Sure, we get, always get it right. I mean, we've yeah. done it like forty four times now. New new <laughs> listeners, perhaps new <laughs> listeners. All right. Well, I'm ready to go. You're ready to go. Three, two, one. What do they call their handheld walkie-talkie things? They've got a name. Communicators. Incorrect. What animal sees the limo fly off? A dog. It does, yes. Um, what's the name of the ship? The Protector. Correct. Not the um, front. What meal does Tim Allen get served? Oh, they're like some octopus squid thingies. Tim Allen? Oh, Tim Allen. Oh, like a steak. Yes. Sorry. What, what meal does Alan Rickman get served? Oh, some octopus squid thing. I've said it in the episode already. Skip that question. Did you actually name? Oh, yep, I did. Tricky. Intentionally, who does Guy live with? His mum? Yes. <laughs> what does the Omega-13 do? Uh, turns time back by 13 seconds. It does. Um, what Earth name is Liliria credited as? Oh! <laughs> it's in the notes somewhere. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, no, no um, what drink does Tim Allen request while being hungover? Like a Dr. Pepper? Incorrect. Oh. Um, and what? Uh, how, much, how much time is left on the self-destruct clock? Always one second. Always one second. And that is it. There we go. Done. You're done. Um, so what? You didn't get the first question. What do they call? Um, what do they call their handheld walkie-talkie things? They call them voxes. Oh yeah, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, Alan Rickman gets served Kepler blood ticks. Right. Very good. No. Yeah. So in post, you'll be able to go back and hear me when I say blood you ticks. You do say I do yeah. call you. Laliria, whatever friggin' name is, <laughs> is credited as Jane Doe. Of course it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Silly, I remember. Because uh, I was like, I, yeah, when you watch it, you just go, couldn't they come up with something else? Yeah, like, Jane Doe. And Tim Allen requests a Coke in the limo when he's hung over. I'm just always thinking and I get it. Dr. Yeah, Pepper was like the... The thing of the It's like the product placement of the 90s as... I don't know. But now it's always Pepsi. So. Now it's always Pepsi. Or Bud Light. So, so there you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was our 10 questions in 60 seconds. You got six. Yeah. Well done. I made those some of those intentionally easy for you, though. Does that work pretty easy? Let's yeah. rate this bad boy. Let's do it. Can I go first? Okay. I mean, I think I've, I've praised this movie quite a lot. But I think I maybe I slipped in a few little negatives there if you're listening carefully. <laughs> um, but no, like, thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and... I mean, I sat down and watched with the wife. We watched for the first time, and she said it was okay. Um, but that's that's <laughs> fine. Um, we'll get through that. That's okay. Um, no, really love this movie, but I can see some faults in it. Um, yeah, whether it be like with the effects and stuff, but for what it is, mm. they put on a really good show. Like everything's there. Mm. 
every actor's doing what they need to be doing. It's fantastic. And just all the stuff, the love, the the nailing the humour. I think this movie, like, they just got it right. Yeah. Um, but not going nuts with it. I'm going to give it a good old four out of five. Nice one. Um, I really liked... It's a fantastic ensemble. Very eclectic cast. Very high, like, top-tier cast, too, really. Each character is just individual, and I really like how they kind of bounce off each other. And yeah. that's, that's all intentional, just to put it all together. Big, big chaotic mix, and it's, it's really, really well done. I really like that it's a comedy, but the heart in it is mm. some profound moments. Like, there's a moment when, at the very end, they've just crashed the ship. They're on the convention stage, and Justin Long and his crew run front right up, and he sees them. And, uh, Tim Allen's character sees him, puts his hand on his heart, and looks at him, and genuinely goes... Because he was the one that bagged him out at the start, saying, it's just a freaking TA show. And he's just turned around and going, like, it's you. All of this is you. You've helped me. Full recognition of that. Yeah. And you're like, it's a full circle for Tim Tim's character. And, and like, I loved it. It was beautiful. You're like, oh. Actually, a lot of the, the character arcs, like in their relationships, do come, you know, mm-hmm. to an, not an end, but like, you know, to, to full circle at the end. They're like, you, Alexander and Jason, you know, like, they hug. Mm. You know when they when they get out of the spaceship, they because it's like we made it, we did it, we yeah. we're alive. It's there is so much heart, and mm. like, with the Thermian characters and stuff, like it's there. Like you're right, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. Sorry, what was your rating? <laughs> so I'm going, I'm going four out of five VHS tapes. Fantastic, four and, out of five. And, and do you know what? Like it's 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 funny. It's like you watch this movie, and it's like we're both we're both nerds. Maybe me more so than you with with some things, but almost definitely. I, I'm I'm gonna just assume like you've probably watched a television show or something and been so obsessed with it. And there is one that comes to mind, and a little part of us is like I'm lost. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> nice one. But it's like <laughs> a little part of us is like it's real, right? Like it's all real. Yeah, it's gotta be real. And there's that that moment where Justin Long character, you know, when you know Jason says to him, it's like it's real, it's all real, and he, he goes. I knew it. Yeah, I knew. It. I was like, I think that's every fan who's ever had such a strong connection connection to a, uh, something yeah. they love. Yeah. A little part of them believes that it is real. Yeah, and it's just part of the enjoyment. Well, this one, I mean, I like that moment because we know that turns around are. and goes because he says to Tim Allen, he goes, "I know it's just a TV show, but I, I love it. I live this stuff." Yeah, and he goes, "That's real." He goes, "Yeah, yeah I knew it." <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like that's that's us, you know. Like we yeah. we know things aren't real, but you know. We know the TV show's production. There's actors and money and all that kind of dark, terrible stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like when you get so sucked into something, and yeah. that's what we are as fans. We believe things, and we go, mm. "What if it is real? It'd be fantastic, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be?" That's where I'm at currently with The Witcher, by the way. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you'd which... say to me like, "Off oh, yeah. there, you were like, have you been checking it?" And I was like, "Have you seen no, it? Yet? No, I have not." Oh, you idiot. <laughs> 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 Listen, I mean, listeners, please give him feedback. I mean, okay. Please give him feedback. I'm always late to things. You uh, know? It's better to be late than never. So when you're ready, go get, I'm on, still, get on that I'm, TV I'm show. I'm still not there with Game of Thrones. So I don't know. Oh, no, no, forget Game of Thrones. Nothing, it's yeah. done and dusted now. Henry Cavill, his future. <laughs> He's the future. He's a legend. Not guy. of the DC world. Oh, ah, conversation for another I day. Mean, you know what? He's on, even all right in that. On that. Yeah, well, that's... I enjoy Henry Cavill. Play the movies, not the characters. we got to talk about other stuff another we do. time. But for now, so that was our rewind to 1999. Galaxy Quest. Yep. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode of Rewind and Review. As always, we'll remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, um, or any rewind requests can be sent to us via email at thatfilmstreetpodcast at gmail.com. 
Or you can reach out to us on either That Film Studio or Rewind and Reviews Facebook pages. Like and follow these pages whilst you're at it. Get into it. Um, subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud um, and or iTunes as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. You can find our entire catalogue of episodes on the That Film Stew website. Check it out, thatfilmstewpodcast.com. Absolutely. 44 episodes now. Yes. Wow, getting to getting there, getting along. Uh, coming soon from That Film Shoe is a review of Jason. Uncut Gems. Cool. Sounds like comics have a recent episode looking at what? Uh, Pennyworth, I believe, and I think they've got The Mandalorian coming next. Oh, wicked. Um, and our next episode here on Rewind and Review will be Jason. The Hangover. And you you knew be. that one. I know, I knew <laughs> that one. Well, let's let's address that for a second. Uh, Rob, yourself and I, we are going to a Bucks night. Yeah, we or are. Or a Bucks weekend, I should say. So we're a little bit of a road trip. So we're like, how about we do a road trip bachelor party-esque uh, movie? And one came to mind, one that ticks both those boxes. But we're going to do it a little bit differently. We won't say too much, but... So keep, keep an ear out for yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to do something different with it. It won't be live from the bachelor party, but... Um, <laughs> That'd be a tragedy. Yeah, there be, and we won't be hungover. And a travesty. Either, so we're gonna. I've said too much, but anyway, and a travesty. <laughs> but there'll be something. Yeah, it'll be fun. Thank you for listening. Yeah, this has been another rewind and review. See you on our next trip. See ya. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. Who is David Holy fuck, look at all these relatives. What Who has he David done? Newman? He's done a fuckloads. The brave little Tolster. The Mighty Ducks. Bill and Ted. Oh.